everybody. Welcome to another episode of The One in Five. This is Abel Baker. And I'm Adam Renshaw. We are here today with Adam. Not you. Shockey. Oh. Or as we've dubbed him, Adam from Othello. And that's not the Shakespeare play, folks. Um, Othello is a city in Washington. And Adam, why don't you go ahead and say hi to our listeners? Hello, everyone. I appreciate this opportunity to, uh, to be on this, this podcast. If Adam from Othello sounds far away, that's because he's in Othello, Washington, and that is actually a long ways away. So, <laughs> so we, we have Adam on the phone this morning and uh, are really looking to dig in uh, with him on this, you guessed it, um, the subject that is dominating our headlines Don't today. Um, so we'll get into that later. <laughs> what that is because <laughs> now I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> no, you can say it. I just, you know, it's, it's a trigger word at this point. The C word. Yes. We'll just say that. Yeah. So, but hopefully Adam's going to be able to give us a very unique perspective into this um, today as we talk about this. Um, Adam, do you want to go ahead and just give us an introduction to you, who you are um, and uh, sort of maybe how, uh, what, some of the things you've been through that has led up to this point where you're on the show today? Uh, sure. So, um, so my name is Adam Shockey. I'm a, a teacher and football coach in the fellow Washington. Um, I'm 47. Uh, excuse me. I'm 48. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How time, time goes by. Um, and I was invited uh, to this podcast from uh, one of my best friends. Uh, we were all called roommates. who's a hospital administrator. Um, in Miles City, and um, and I, I believe you know we we had a phone conversation um, about a month ago, and you know I believe one of the reasons he wanted to invite me to this podcast is because of um, it's kind of a mix of background. So um, I I spent about uh, four and a half years uh, living and working in China um, in the late '90s and uh, early 2000s. Um, and I, you know, on the coronavirus topic, um, we got to talking on the phone just about, you know, issues like um, living in a rural community. What is, you know, as a teacher and coach, what is it like in terms of how it's affecting, uh, especially like student learning and um, issues of, uh, you know, kids being sent home and and what are teachers going to do and how are they going to navigate that uh, with the students and, um, and those kind of things. Um, I'm also, um, I teach college in the high school classes for Eastern Washington University in the high school. And, and we, um, we have a, a unit, uh, it's part of our CWP class, which is Contemporary World Problems. And the last unit we did before we left uh, and kids were sent home uh, was on the globalization of disease. And we had the kids uh, research um, different strategies for uh, distance learning um, from the student perspective. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I think that's kind of the background. I know that one of the questions we're going to be getting deeper into has to do with teaching and whatnot. So I won't talk too much about that right now. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so that's just kind of a, a, a brief of, of my background and interests and 
and why I think I was I was invited to this awesome show. So. Okay, so my five dollars is already working because he called our show awesome um you'll find that you in go, your you bank go. account yeah with, along with my irs check yeah yeah within the next month you will receive a thank you and it uh no i hey the, I, the thing that i was so interested about and I, I guess i'll start with a with the line of questioning that we have for you um uh, i guess the thing on the back of my mind first i guess this is a little this is a little rabbit trail adam but did you know that Othello is also a really fun board game? Just just for both of you, both Adams here. I'm actually looking at Adam, but realizing that our guest is named Adam too. It's, um, yes. It's a double Adam. So that's the kind of quality content you can expect when you listen to the one and five is uh, you'll also get important life-changing information like that. It's a fun game. Check it out. Anyways, um, yeah. what? Um, it's also what, something else, Abel. Oh, it is. What? It's a play by Shakespeare. Yeah, that's boring, though. Okay. Right? And that's boring. I mean, for Othello all reminds who... me of Go, which was my segue. So, sorry. That was my for, China segue. For all who <laughs> thought Abel's comment about the board game was lame, you probably <laughs> thought that my comment about it being a Shakespeare play was awesome. So, thank you. Yeah. And Othello... <laughs> Go. <laughs> <laughs> you saved me. That was awesome. Um, for anybody that can't see this, we are just having a blast right now. So uh, I just watched uh, something a little bit about the game Go, and I thought it was pretty cool because the whatever I was watching just was highlighting uh, cultural differences too. And I th that's what I'm interested in is if you could tell us a little bit about your experience in China as a teacher, um, that sure. that just sounds really really like an awesome experience to me. Can you let us know what what was that like? Yeah, so um, so I went I went to China in the fall of 1996, and I I was there a little over four years, and I only did one year of, of teaching, um, at, but it was at um, the Nanjing University of Science and Technology. Um, Nanjing is a, a city about 200 miles west of Shanghai um, in a pretty humid climate. And um, it uh, it really just opened my eyes. At, I mean, at that time when I went to China, I was thinking, okay, I want to, I'd studied a little bit of, of Chinese at the University of Washington. And then I just wanted to get over there and, and start learning about another culture. And and whatnot. And it, it just really, I mean, I tell people that, uh, if you want someplace on the earth, uh, to go, that's almost the exact opposite, at least at that time, um, from the United States, you know, like going to Mars, um, it would be China. Um, I think that, you know, the only other place probably be like India, but, but the way I described it to people is it's just like an assault on, as an American, it's like an assault on your senses. It's, like you get off the plane and the train and the sights, the sounds, the smells um, just assault you in a, not like a bad way, but just, it's almost like a, a nat natural stimulant because your American mindset is just not uh, used to that kind of environment. Um, but it was also with my students, um, it was also just kind of a, a cultural and political experience too, because, you know, here I am in this 
you know, communist dictatorship um, and seeing the different dynamics of the student-teacher relationship and and a lot of the controls that the population um, has has on them. Um, like, for example, in every classroom, um, and this is ele elementary, high school, college, you have uh, Communist Party members among the students who are kind of like uh, minders um, to kind of keep keep the other students in check. Um, it's just kind of kind of weird. But um, in terms of like the coronavirus and how you know those kinds of experiences uh, kind of helped me to understand what was going on in China a little bit from a political level was um, I just knew that that China in a weird way they had. And they have, an, they have an advantage when it comes to like national emergencies um, because their people are used to uh, a heavy hand when the government wants to control something. Um, and so, you know, things like shutting down cities and whatnot and, um, you know, quarantining whole cities without asking permission um, of the populace, you know, is something that, you know, as Americans, we just don't roll that way. Um, but so yeah, so I mean, you know, at the kind of crossroads of where my teaching experience there kind of informs my understanding of of what's going on there now and and how it came to the U.S. That that's kind of a helpful lens to to understand a little bit of what's going on. I think, but so but yeah. Um, well, thanks for that, Adam. Uh, oh wow, that was a. That was beneficial. Uh, so what have you heard from China regarding their COVID-19 outbreak? Do you still have contacts there? Do you, um, are you still um, in connection with people? I, I do. I, I, I have a lot of friends I made over the years there. Um, I haven't like right now, um, like I haven't been in contact with people asking about the coronavirus because um, right now I, I, I just think there's a, I mean, they're in lockdown and, and there's even, issues with internet access um, being marginal and that kind of thing um, from people at home and whatnot. But, but so yeah, I need to, I need to come back around and, and get in touch, you know, once this thing is not as dramatic to, to uh, talk to them about their experience, but, you know, of course we're all living through it right now. And, and um, but once maybe a couple months, get some perspective and, and things die down a little bit. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I guess I'll, I'll move on to the next question then. You know, my, my family lives in Washington, um, as well. My mom and dad live in Cleelum. My brother lives mm -hmm. in Ronald. I don't know if you know where those are at. Where, over I there. know where Cleelum. Yeah. 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 Ronald's yep. just, uh, back there. Um, be, you Wait, know, those are, incredible places that he might not know that he knows because all of those were in the show northern exposure northern exposure it's that's like, right oh, roslyn yeah. roslyn roslyn was where they filmed northern exposure so you go through roslyn you keep going and back there's ronald um and so my brother and his wife live up there in the mountains it's really really beautiful spot but um uh, so i've heard a lot from them about how things are going in Washington, but we're interested in, uh, in your perspective on Washington state's response to the outbreak. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it, I think it's very good overall. Um, you know, hindsight's 2020 in terms of like 
could they have started doing social distancing earlier and sent kids home earlier? Um, but overall, and, and again, you know, in, in our society where we do not like uh, the government saying you have to do this, um, I think the governor's done a good job of balancing respect for, for civil liberties um, and with telling people basically you have to do this. <laughs> you have to, you have to stay home. Kids have to have to leave school, unfortunately, um, and do distance learning. And um, and I think the west side of the mountains um, is, and for those people who maybe don't know as much the geography of Washington State, but the west side of the mountains, seventy-five percent of Washington State lives on the west side, uh, which is west of the Ca- west of the Cascades, and um, it's kind of a different culture, you know, as, as a rough indicator of that. You know, most people in Western Washington are Democrats and people in Eastern Washington, mostly Republicans. But mm-hmm. but so and the reason I bring that up is that in Eastern Washington, I think people have been slower to um, implement the social distancing. And there there's a few websites now that are pretty cool that actually kind of scary too. that that through mobile phone data and whatnot, it it gives counties in Washington state a grade about how well they're social distancing and um, Eastern Washington counties in general are not getting as good of a grade. And, you know, surprise, surprise, uh, right now, even though Western Washington kind of that curve is flattening um, in Eastern Washington, we're having a little bit of a spike, um, especially around the Tri-Cities area, which is Southeastern Washington state. And and um, so, but I think now people are are waking up to it and how serious it is. Like in my city, a fellow here, we're about eight thousand five hundred people. We've had a, a spike in in cases. Um, there's probably about fifty now that are known. Um, and of course, because of lack of, lack of testing, you know, there's probably way more than that um, in a fellow. So, so yeah, so people are starting to wear masks a little bit more. Um, but I still, when I do go out, um, I, I get concerned. I don't see a, a lot of people wearing masks and um, kind of people standing too close to each other kind of thing. And, and uh, so, yeah, um, so I hope people are, are getting the message more because once this starts to spread, you know, without social distancing, it's exponential. So like yeah. without any social distancing, it's like about three day average, it doubles every time. And, every three days. And if you, you know, play that on a calculator, just go one times two and then take that times two and take that times two. And every time you times it by two, that's three days, you know, wow. it could get, it could get into no joke. I mean, <laughs> in a couple months, it could get into the millions of people who would have it, but, so but because got, of social distancing, that's good. It's not spreading that fast. So, so. you got to bring your tape measure, right? Every time you go out yeah. and, and just yeah, start well, math, playing church math lady on them. <laughs> yeah, math, math, is, math is generally evil, uh, but it's good for some things. <laughs> two times two times two is, is about the extent of my my math crunching. So. What? That's why, what? That's why I became a social studies teacher. So. Nice. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Othello, uh, Washington, and... Um, we heard, of course, uh, as you've even spoken a little bit, um, that you're a coach. Do you, uh, 
maybe you have something to, to tell us about where you live to give people a picture of it. And in regards to our um, podcast, we are interested in rural areas and rural places, especially when social distancing is like a way of life that can't even be avoided uh, in rural. Right. We, we, we take those things for granted, but tell us a little bit about Othello about, you know, your, your, your role in that small town. And um, maybe you've got something you want to say to, to your students too, for them to hear. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, well, I'll start with my students first. So yeah, I'm definitely going to be, uh, be sharing this with, with them and, and your guys' podcast. And, but um, yeah, so my students in the future, as you listen to this, uh, hope you're staying safe and we all miss you, especially you seniors. And, mm. and uh, I know this is a tough time and, We'll get through it, though. As I as I tell them in my history class, they, at the end of the day, we're Americans, so we, we we find the grit and we're and we get through stuff. So just stay stay at it. But um, but so yeah, so um, a fellow uh, town of about eight thousand five hundred people. Um, it is a rural community. Um, but in terms of employment, the biggest employers in the city is the school districts, um, the health, uh, really good health system here uh, called uh, CBHA, uh, Columbia Basin Health Association. Um, and then aside from that, the demographics of the workers are field workers, and um, we have um, processing plants for food products um, <clears throat> in the city that employ a lot of people. Um, but, you know, one of the things that, that I, I see, I mean, you hear about People saying rural communities, it's not going to spread as fast because people are distant socially. Um, but the problem I see happening in the city and maybe in general, the rural communities is, is when you're, you know, when we're told stay at home, except to go to the grocery store or except to go to the pharmacy. Well, you know, even if you live in a rural area, you have to go to one of the few grocery stores in town. You have to go to one of the few pharmacies in town. And I go to those, you know, especially the grocery stores, and and I don't see people, you know, wearing masks or um, being socially distant. And we have a uh, we have larger families um, in Othello, and so we have one case in Othello family of eleven actually, and they all came down with it. Um, wow. And I think I think one of the reasons there's bigger families here. I mean, despite the fact that rural communities usually have larger families, but uh, you know, we also have a really, really good, healthy Mormon community here and Mormons tend to have um, more family members. But we also have, uh, I think it's 65 percent, 70 percent Hispanic. And, and, you know, in general, um, Hispanic populations have bigger families. And and so, you know, the, the, the dangers there are obvious. You know, if one family member gets it and you're you're at home. And, you know, if you're in a family, you know, at the extreme, if you're in a family of 10 or something, um, you know, parents can only do so much. I mean, you know, you try to raise your kids well and say, okay, you can't, you know, you got to stay in your house and this and that. But, you know, you know, I'm sorry. How do you, I mean, tough job to try to keep track of yeah. where all your kids have been and everything they've touched. And, and, uh, that to me is just, um, that's that's a, a scary kind of uh, idea, and and then you know you worry about our health system here, and you know how many ventilators do we have at our local hospital, for example? Um, 
I don't think hospitals are making that information public, but, you know, I can only assume that you don't have as many, you know, per, per capita as you do in, in Western Washington, Spokane and whatnot. So, so yeah, so there's a lot of concerns uh, there that I have and, you know, I pray, you know, that this does not happen, but, but, um, you know, some people are saying that the next place you're going to see this hit, you know, it's not just going to be New York and Seattle and San Francisco. It's, you know, the next wave might come to rural communities. And, and, and there was just a story that I heard this morning on NPR about um, a meatpacking plant in Pasco where 30, 30 people who worked there um, came down with the COVID-19 virus. And so, you know, and that, Yes, I heard that too, and they shut it down, huh? They shut the plant down. Yeah, and and then you start worrying about, you know, food food security, food access, and yeah. And it's not even. I'm not worried about our country running out of food, but it's the panic that that could set, you know, and people saying, "Oh, I better hoard," because you know who knows. And I don't, you know, I have no worries about at the end of the day, the U.S. running out of food, but. But you just don't. But toilet paper is a different story, right? I mean, we've already, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've already seen the run on toilet paper, and and oh, I, I, I agree with you. If if there becomes a panic and people start to hear about, oh, the food plants are shutting down, you know, I mean that could lead to s- some drastic measures too. So, right. And and yeah. you know, we, it's interesting because that you bring that up and and sort of the different struggles that small towns face or rural communities face. And we were talking about it yesterday in terms of, yeah, this is hitting us differently than it is a New York or a New Orleans or, um, you know, a a more of an urban center. Um, But we have our own challenges that we face in rural and, um, and this is affecting us in different ways. Uh, You know, possible families who that aren't safe environments that people are having to um you know isolate with and and behavioral health issues and and mental health issues so um it's just it's different wherever you go do you have a perspective on that and what it's like in othello um you know i i can only imagine just kind of the bell curve of you know issues with domestic violence and whatnot so you know you know, it's, you know, I, I, I coach, one of the people I coach with, is, uh, he volunteers uh, part-time, um, he's a police officer in town. And so he, you know, while keeping anonymity and not sharing names, Absolutely. Directly, which is what he should should do, he lets us know in general about issues of domestic violence and problems with that. And, and you know, I need to circle back around and ask him, you know, since this is all broken out, what... Uh, have you seen an uptick in that um, kind of problem? And, uh, but no, I, you know, it, it's just, it's common sense that kids, I know that our students, many students are struggling with depression and um, especially because despite themselves, you know, how much kids complain about school. Um, they, once I told them, I said, when we were leaving uh, campus, I said, you guys right now are, you know, party time celebrating. I said, <laughs> after about a week, you're going to be super bored. And, you know, plus you're going to be doing distance learning. You know, I said, you're going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be putting work up and you're, you're going to do it. So, but, <laughs> but I think that, um, there's definitely problems. If I just look at students who are struggling with depression and, 
in isolation and no doubt there's issues in places with domestic violence and abuse. So, so yeah, it's, yeah. Um, especially and, for the seniors, it's really hard to see because, you know, your senior year, man, so much stuff, you know, you visualize your senior year with graduation and, and all the end of year activities and, and senior like pictures. That. Have you been joining in the senior picture, social media campaign about posting your, have you seen that posting your own oh, no. senior picture? Yeah. I've been seeing a bunch go around where uh, a bunch of older people are posting their, their senior pictures from when they were seniors in high school. Um, and uh, yeah. thinking that that will oh, hopefully yes, give comfort to, to the ones who can't graduate right now. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much comfort, <laughs> I was wondering that too. I wonder how much comfort this is uh, giving those who. Yeah. <laughs> Here was... I am. Look how happy I was, and now you can't do the same thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, we all know yeah. that it was somebody who still thinks glamour shots are awesome, <laughs> because yeah. there is a generation that literally their senior picture was a glamour shot. And, That's awesome. Um, and mullets. And mullets. mullets. Yeah, Camaro yeah. mullets, which are, glamour shots. Which are coming back. They're coming back. Oh uh, man, kids, I've noticed. Kids now are getting mullets. I'm like, oh my gosh, have you learned nothing from history? <laughs> my wife so. wants me to grow one out, and the prop there's this like cognitive dissonance because I'm a pastor, and I'm like, how do I be a pastor with a mullet? Like, yeah. how do you do that? Just you can call me Pastor MacGyver. Yeah, that's what you yeah. should say. Yeah. Don't, don't think of the bad mullet. Think of the good mullet. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's what my mom told me when we were that age. She was like, we're going to give a good mullet. No. Yeah. She said, we're going to give you a MacGyver haircut. Oh, and we were yeah. like, oh, yeah, MacGyver's awesome, right? <laughs> give me some duct tape and a mm-hmm. clothespin, and I can do anything. Yeah, but not <laughs> his hair. good a good mullet that's an oxymoron i think agreed it is agreed <laughs> it is i uh as we've kind of gone through essentially your life story here in uh 26 minutes one of the yeah. biggest questions that uh you know adam and i were interested as as we were kind of talking about this is um what is this project that you've done with your students kind of in detail, a little more detail on this and, and, and how it's fit into your rural community? I mean, yeah, it was, a, it was really fascinating. If there's any educators listening, I think that they would be fascinated by this as well. Sure. Yeah. So, um, so on my seniors and they're in a class called CWP, which is contemporary world problems. And we have, um, like about 10 units we cover, uh, during the during the course, you know things like uh, environmental issues, global terrorism, um, human rights, etc. And one of them is the globalization of disease. And one of the things I try to do, and I tell students that I I'm not I don't I'm not going to give you the pacing guide for which units we're going to cover when, because I wait for current events, okay, to see. Because I said I guarantee you this semester there will be current events that will address these issues and it's at that time that i want to do these two-week units and so that's really uh, sure enough yeah and sure enough uh current event in the news you know this uh epidemic and then pandemic and you know starting out in washington state um actually the first case that was verified was was out of snohomish county where i grew up and 
And so as this thing was building, uh, so basically, long story short, uh, the last unit we did before they went home was on global disease um, and pandemics. And so I started by having them every day for the two-week unit, um, almost every day, uh, charting the spread of the virus on the, the Johns Hopkins uh, has probably the best site that daily shows the increase on a, a big map of cases. And so started having them track that. And then, uh, you know, once we start hearing kind of hearing in the ether and in news about different schools first closing overseas and then in the U.S., uh, started saying, okay, <clears throat> let's make this super practical. Um, let's, you know, let's do a group acti- <clears throat> activity where you guys research um, what we would do in our district if we have to go home. And, and so uh, we kept it really practical um, and it was from the student perspective. Uh, so basically the three um, issues that we wanted uh, to look at um, as I pull up my uh, their kind of slide presentation here, but um, we wanted to look at uh, three simple things. So uh, Wi-Fi access, Wi-Fi mm-hmm. and technology access. Okay, so within that, uh, these directives from the school district that at first it was you cannot do distance learning at all unless everyone has Wi-Fi access and everyone has uh, technology, which for our district, our high school at least, are Chromebooks. Um, we also want to look at issues of food delivery because many students, uh, majority of students, rely on those two meals a day from the district, uh, basically to correct to not starve. And uh, then we want to look at distance learning models. And and so uh, so just some examples like with the Wi-Fi access issue. And, and I had them, you know, I kind of pointed them in the right direction, but they found this stuff. Really smart kids um, on their own. They. So they researched and found out that on the west side of the mountains, we looked at models of districts that were successfully implementing this. Um, and ideas came up, and some of these students came up with these ideas. So, for example, Wi-Fi access. Um, you know, so how do we solve this? And they're like, well, you know, uh, students could drive up to the school parking lot and access the Wi-Fi and download everything they need, their devices, and then go home. Nice. <laughs> um, uh, fellow public library, McDonald's, Taco Bell. I'll have free Wi-Fi access where students can go to download. Um, and then, you know, kind of playing off of this, you know, and we're just kind of adding to the district's ideas, but uh, seeing these ideas, but one of the things our district has done on that note, for example, is say that on Tuesdays, uh, we want teachers to post everything so that when students go, if they don't have Wi-Fi access at home, they can download everything for the week at, at one time kind of thing. Um, Food delivery, um, how are we going to do that? And our district's been really good at doing this. So bus delivery of bagged and boxed uh, lunches at different drop-off points in the city. Um, And that's been successfully implemented. And teachers uh, volunteer. And when teachers go to volunteer to hand stuff out, they get their temperature taken. Uh, They have to have a mask. They have to practice social distancing, uh, even like on the buses. Um, And then, you know, the third example was distance learning. Um, what kind of tech tools are we going to use, this and that. And kind of the simple idea we took from that that's very practical is don't get too complex. Um, Use the technology that students already know, um, which for us is uh, Google Classroom and uh, with their Chromebooks. 
Um, and we started out there, but now, and of course you guys have, everyone's heard of zoom now and whatnot. <laughs> um, th- this whole experience is, you know, the analogy, it's been like building the plane, you know, while you're f- flying it. Um, and so we've tweaked things as a district and we've made some modifications. We're still debating how much to use zoom, uh, for example, because, yeah, the problems with uh, Zoom bombing, if you've heard of. I where, have. I just heard uh, about that the other day. Um, and so on that decision, for example, we said, okay, we can use Zoom, but we can only do audio with students. So that, you know, our students tempted to post inappropriate stuff and whatnot. But, but yeah, so so they came up with some really good ideas. Um, we, we wanted to present it to the district, but... We were sent home uh, before we could do that, so we forwarded the presentation to uh, the district staff um, in the head office, and and you know I you know it's I'd like to think that that uh, they use that to seed some of the ideas they eventually put in place, but a lot of these uh, ideas were kind of in the in the ether, um, but. It was it was pretty good. Um, it was a really good exercise for the students. So Adam, I told the students, "Go y- ahead." Yeah, no, I was just gonna say, what a what a very positive, very practical way to engage young minds during a time of crisis, um, and turn yeah. them into problem solvers rather than um, having them feel powerless at a time like this. So I, I just wanted to commend you uh, on hearing that story from you. And I it, encourage you to go ahead and finish your thought, too. Oh, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I um, uh, you know, you can do, you know, I, I tell students and I tell myself this all the time. I said, you know, I, you can either sit around and watch the news and get stressed out or I, I tell the kids it's impossible for the human mind to be doing something constructive and finding ways to contribute and at the same time worry. Um, your mind can't, at least for very long, can't do both things at once. So, you know, as long as we have this time and then another cool thing our district is doing just kind of a shout out is actually uh, we're 3d printing uh, medical masks. Mm-hmm. Um, we're using the 3d printers in the district um, and then I, I just went out and bought like a cheap one. And so I am also a uh, 3d printing a medical mass and, and the teacher who started this up actually got the idea from a, I believe it was a dentist and a doctor in Billings, Montana. Oh. And yeah, there was a news item, uh, about making these and, uh, the, so the science teacher, Gail Vasquez in our district, uh, contacted him and the doctor and dentist, they were kind enough to just send the model uh, over to him, the software program, and he started making them. Um, and you can find these online. I went to the CDC website, and they have at least one mask that they've approved, and I'm um, I'm printing those off. Um, and my, my 3D printer's a lot slower than the school. So, But, you know, it, it's a way to, to feel like, okay, I can – you know, we, I, people can do something constructive Yeah. and it, you know, it helps to, it helps to box out those, um, that anxiety as well, just by trying to do something, you know. That's great, Adam. Um, I also heard that, uh, you're not the only community 
that has reached out to those folks in Billings. They've had quite a bit of requests and have been in communication. Uh, so that's pretty cool, especially considering our proximity. We're only 40 miles away from uh, Billings, Montana. That's like our the place where we right. make our Costco trips and, and do that kind of stuff. So um, we're familiar with uh, Billings as a community as well. So, but Hey, Adam, I, what a great conversation. Um, thank you so much for being willing to come on. And, um, I, I think this has been a very valuable time. Uh, it, it has been for me and I, I just, uh, I'm hoping that our listeners are going to find value in this too, which I'm sure that they will, but do you want to send them off with any parting thoughts, any, uh, words of encouragement? Um, I just, what I told my students, I mean, being a history teacher, I love history. I just say at the end of the day, uh, we're Americans. We, we, when, you know, when the going gets tough, we, we find the grit and we, and we, we find the solutions. And, uh, I share with the students this, uh, one of my favorite, uh, Reagan, Reagan videos, uh, no matter, you know, no matter what people think of Reagan, he was a great communicator. And there's a video clip online just called we are Americans. And, uh, I shared that with my students and, um, but we, we're, we're people who get creative and innovative and we solve problems. And, and so I just like to encourage everybody to, you know, try to find community in that, no matter what your political views are, uh, otherwise. So. Well, we have enjoyed this, uh, so much. It seems like our time has just gone by so quick and, you know, you're mentioning places that bring back childhood memories. So I appreciate that alone. Just Snohomish County, man. I mean, that's a, yeah, that's a blast from the past for me. And I know they're getting hit hard. And, um, I just, I just appreciate you, uh, being willing to come on and hopefully we'll get to talk again with you some, sometime soon. Um, Adam from Othello. Um, I, I'm going to send us out with this. This is the one in five. Uh, my name's Abel Baker. I'm here with Adam Renshaw and, uh, as we say goodbye to our guest, Adam from Othello, I just want to tell you that if you have any questions about today's content, you can email the one in five podcast at iCloud.com. And that's the number one, I N number five podcast at iCloud.com. And I just want to send you out with, uh, best wishes and um adam did you adam here and do you have anything that you want to add stay safe wear your mask don't cough in somebody's face yes <laughs> and have a rural healthy day 